You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. What's to get into our next piece of this series? We've been talking about staying on course our whole life, not getting pulled off course by anything, not getting, uh, not having our faith shipwrecked is where we started out. Uh, and we've been talking about, we're, we're looking at, very slowly, uh, five specific elements. We looked at disappointment. We talked about betrayal. These are things that tend to, something's going to pull people off course. There are, there are a multitude of things we could talk about. But these five seem to be things that, that tend. We run into them in our life. And, and if we don't handle them properly, we can get pulled off course and end up with a shipwrecked faith. So disappointment, betrayal, regret. I was going to talk about regret this morning, but I doubt we'll get there. Uh, loss and offense. All right. So we already talked about a couple of those. I intended to go into regret today. I really, as this has gotten closer and closer, they're just and and through some different uh, conversations this week and and just some things have been reminded of. Uh, I want to go back and just sort of underpin some of this a little bit again. So so there there are basically two main themes that we've been talking about through this. And the first one is, like I just said, we want to live our whole life in strong faith toward the Lord. We, we read where Paul said at the end of his life, I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished, I just love this. I have finished my full course with all my might. All right, so you didn't just, you know, reach a peak at 40, 40 years of age, and then, you know, down and sneak across the line. He said, I have finished my full course with all my might, and I have kept my heart full of faith. What a great confession. I want to have that confession. I will have that confession when I get to the end of my life. So we've been talking about how to do that and how to go through some of these different things in life because we, we all go through them. Every one of them and others, we go through them. We are on planet earth. We are not in heaven. We are going to face these things. And we can go through them. We can either go through them with the Lord and become stronger, or we can be defeated by them. So we've been, so we've been talking about that. And then the other theme we've hit again and again and again is that the scripture tells us that God, it tells us we need perseverance. We've defined that over and over, but we 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 need perseverance in the New Testament is defined as an operation of the Holy Spirit in us. It is a grace. Uh, it's called a grace. And it empowers us to contend against things that have the potential to shipwreck our faith or pull us off course. And that that phrase, contend against, I mean, I've just been hammering that, that we need to have this attitude that when they, things come into our life, that would pull us out, that would take us down. We, we are not to have some passive religious attitude toward that. We are to allow God to rise up in us and contend against those things. We, we refuse, okay, to be pulled down, to be pulled aside. So when I say all that, uh, for a lot of people, I think they hear 
uh, and, I, and this isn't what I've said, but, but people, you know, we all hear in our own context, so consciously or, or subconsciously, people think that we're talking about contending against having a negative experience in life. Contending against ever experiencing a disappointment, ever experiencing betrayal, ever experiencing regret, loss, offense, any of these things. And, and that's not at all what we're saying. And I think most of you get that. But that's not at all what we're saying. I, and I've said over and over, no, we will go through these things. But sometimes people, you know, react to something else they've heard or different, you know, something that's happened in their life. And that's what they hear is that when we say we're going to contend against these things, they think we mean we're going to, by faith, if we're standing in faith, we're never going to have those negative experiences. No, it's not at all you know, we're not suggesting that. What we are saying is that it's not that we're not going to have negative experiences. We will. Those will happen in life. But we're talking about contending against and overcoming. Get the word overcoming today. Overcoming the mindsets, which the Bible calls strongholds that can latch on to us as we go through an experience. Here's the way the devil works, okay? And I'll just start at the back end and come this way. The Bible tells us, for one thing, that faith acts as a shield, right, on the inside of us. Faith in God, trust in God, which comes from where? Where does faith come from? Hearing the word. And that word, translated word in Romans 10, 17 is the word it's for a conversation. It's not just knowing facts. It's, it's the word rhema. It's a spoken word from God. It's a fresh word from God. That produces faith in us. And it says that faith quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All right, so it's a picture of a shield that rises up and quenches. Think of you know, quenching a campfire, right? Or, you know, you got a little fire going, you pour a bunch of water on it, you put it out, you take away its power, right? That's what it's saying. It said, and it's a picture of flaming arrows coming at us. Those are thoughts. That's where, that's the only place, the devil doesn't have access to your spirit if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. He does, he is able to send thoughts to you. And so we have an experience and a thought comes. And this happens all the time, good and bad. Not all of that is bad. I mean, not all thoughts are bad either. Just a whole bunch of them. But not all, not all thoughts are bad. I mean, I think they say we have 50,000 thoughts a day or something. There's some, somebody has faith. And how they counted that, I don't know. Okay, That's what they do in college. Uh, but anyway, never mind. I'm not going there. Anyway, so we have an experience. And it can be anything. I heard somebody share, I thought this was a great example the other day of uh, a, a wife was talking about, you know, just imagine, never happens, but just imagine that your husband didn't take the trash out. Okay, just imagine, you know, it's outside your experience, I understand, but just imagine, or maybe it's your roommate or whoever is supposed to be responsible for that. They didn't do it. Okay, well, the thought comes, they don't care about me. They're not thinking about me. They don't know how hard my life is. You know, something like, I feel demeaned by this. You know, and, and so that thought comes when all along, and we deal with this in couples all the time, when all along, if you talk to the person, you find out, well, no, my husband's a good person. He's not perfect. 
I mean, most husbands are, but some aren't, you know, but, but not perfect, but hey, he's a good person. He loves me, okay? So, so instead of taking the thought, instead of turning that experience into a negative and embracing a thought that's not true and beginning to build an argument in your heart toward that person, okay, instead of that, she chooses to go, wait, 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 wait. No, this happened, but I'm not going to build an argument. I'm not going to build an imagination on that thought. I'm not going to allow that thought to be attached to it. Instead, I know he's busy too. He forgot. We're all human beings. Whatever. He's, he's a good person. You know, I married a good person. That's something every married person should say every day. If it's not true right now, it won't become true by you saying every day, I married a jerk, okay? That's not helping, just so you know. Anyway, let's get back on this. So in all kinds of experiences, you know, the other one that I can always think of is we have a little pain and the thought comes, that's probably cancer, you know, or that's probably, oh yeah, your family has a history of that. Arthritis is getting on you. Well, if we accept that thought, we begin to build upon it. We begin to build a stronghold in our hearts and we can bring something into reality that isn't a reality right now. This is a spiritual truth, okay? So what we're talking about is when we go through a disappointment or we go through a betrayal or a regret or a loss or whatever it might be, we go through those things. We want to be careful about what we're attaching. We want to contend against the mindset that it would try and build. And we've been talking about that in these. Disappointment tends to, to erode hope. It wants to take away your ability to hope, right? Betrayal wants to take away your ability to trust others and ultimately to trust God. That's the goal. It's not just to make you unhappy for a while. It's to build something in you that will defeat your faith. And so God has given us a grace that will rise up in us and help us persevere through, but we do have to cooperate in that. And we just have to understand how this whole thing works. We can go through, and, and many of you have, and, and you know, we go through some terrible, unfair things in this life because sin is in the earth and there's a sin condition in the earth. And we're all exposed to things from that. But, you know, where we, it was great. I just singing those songs this morning. I was actually, I was starting to get something I thought was going to be a word and that, and the song always just took care of it. I just didn't need to give it. It said it. But, you know, where we look for our help, well, that's the help we're going to get. And if we're, if we're just looking at the earth, we're just looking at what we can do. If we're just looking, friends can be great, but they're not our savior. If we're looking anywhere besides the Lord, we're not going to receive the best help. We're not, going to, we're not going to get everything he has for us. And so when we go through something like that and we feel the hurt or the damage or the distrust or whatever, those things come but the point is that in Christ, we don't have to live with the result of that event for the rest of our life. Okay, the world will come along and give us coping mechanisms. You know, they, they do it, psychology, different things. They give us coping mechanisms. And, and, and listen to me, coping is better than not coping. Okay, coping is a step in the right direction. 
All right, you're at least coming on an even keel. You're at least, you've at least taken a step up. I just want you to be so, I want you to have it in your heart. Jesus didn't die just to give us a way to cope. He died to set us free. And he is the only one that can bring an absolutely supernatural freedom from some type, whatever type, of emotional bondage that an event in our life would bring. But that emotional bondage begins when we start to take thoughts. We start to let, and I could say it this way, and maybe it's clearer, we start to attach feelings to the event. And and, and many of those feelings, they, boy, we can have a feeling uh come to us and not accept it. And I don't know if we know that anymore. Because honestly, both the world and a fair amount of the church settles for coping, for adjusting to the damage that's been done. And I'm not, I'm not here, if you're in that place and you've You've at least come that far. You've adjusted to it. It's not defeating you. It's not pulling you down anymore. That's awesome. That's a great place to start. I just want you to know there's even more. I just want you to know, because I think, I think the greatest miracles we experience are on the inside. I think us getting free from something that had the potential to destroy who we are and take us out from what God has for us to actually get free from that and fulfill his plan with joy, I think that's one of the greatest miracles there is. I think that's just as big as growing out an arm or a leg. I mean, I just, it's what, what happens in the human heart through the word and the spirit is an absolutely amazing miracle. But we have to be settled in. We have to understand, again, this is not putting us down. If sometimes getting from coping, well, sometimes getting from the the damage to coping takes a long time. Sometimes getting from coping to real freedom, it can take a lot of exposures to the word. And God doesn't seem to be impatient about that. He seems to just keep presenting himself to us, to the word and the spirit, having those encounters with him that minister to our hearts and take off another layer of whatever the hurt is, whatever it can be. But I just, you know, it's, it's important to realize Jesus said he came to set the captive free, okay? Not to just help them adjust to their circumstances, to actually set us free. All of us have some damage. We get hit with some stuff through life, some bigger than others. But it's in what we believe. It's in what we stand for. Do we believe that the word of God is the word of God? Or do we think it's just kind of nice? It's a nice idea. And do we believe it even if we've never experienced it or we haven't experienced it fully? There's not a one of us in here that have experienced the word fully. That doesn't make it not the word. It doesn't make it not God's will and God's purpose. So here's what Jesus said along these lines. We've looked at this many times. So let's look at it again. He said, I have told you, this is John 16, 33. He said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace. Perfect peace. Not some peace, not a little peace, not peace that comes and goes. Perfect peace. So what do I do with that? Well, I don't have perfect peace, 
But you know what? It's mine. Jesus said I could have it. So I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to pursue him. But I'm going to trust that this is the truth. Jesus said it. If we don't believe the things that Jesus said are possible, what are we doing? We say we believe him for our eternal salvation. We're going to spend eternity in relationship with God, even though we totally don't deserve it. Not a one of us deserve it. Okay? But we believe that we're going to spend eternity in relationship with God because our sins, past, present, future, have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. That's a big chunk of faith. If I can believe that about him, I can believe he can heal my headache or he can heal my stomach problem, my leg problem. I believe he can heal my emotions. And I don't have to hide from him. I don't have to pretend anything. Lord, I have been, you can go through something and you can say, God, I have been absolutely traumatized by this. You know where I am. You know where my heart is. I've been, I'm feeling so discouraged today, but God, but God, Lord, I see in your word what you have promised and I reach out for it and I trust you to do it on the inside. I trust you by your spirit to reach up. So he says, in me, you'll have perfect peace and confidence. Wow. He says, in the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Well, good news, Jesus. Thanks for telling us. Now, in the world you will have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. So he's really honest with us. He gets it, okay? And then he says, but, that is a really important word in this verse, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. I love that. I will be undaunted. For, why? For, because I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. That is a perfect description of the word translated overcome. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and I've conquered it for you. So that word, but, see, this is only good news if it's true. <laughs> This is only, you know, this is great. I mean, we can go, well, that's great for you, Jesus. You've overcome the world. Man, I'm, I'm envious. You know, that's great for you. That's only good news for us if we can also, if we can partake of his overcoming, right? If we can partake of his conquering. And the Bible tells us we can. It's his, he did. That means I don't have to go out and redo what he did. I just have to connect with him and partake of something he did on my behalf. I don't think the world, he overcame the world. Well, he didn't even do that for himself. The world was never on top of him. Okay, There was never a wrestling match between God and the devil. There was never a wrestling match between Jesus and the devil, even when he was in the grave for three days. Even when he preached to those in prison, even when all that was going on, it wasn't like there was a big wrestling match and Jesus finally in the last round came out and won. That's not what happened. God and the devil are not even in the same category. They are not on the same level. Anyway, this word overcome means, I've overcome the world, means to conquer completely and deprive of the authority and ability to rule or exert influence. To conquer completely and to deprive of the authority and the ability to rule or exert influence. The term world speaks of the world's system. 
All right, that world system is the result of the fall, and the Bible tells us that Satan is the god of this world system. That's what it means there. Still a small g, by the way, god of this world system. It means his influence is in this world system. So as we go through things in life, there is a system around us, there's a spiritual atmosphere around us that tries to influence us, again, I, I think, to either be defeated or to maybe cope. I mean, that's about the best you can hope in the world. I went through this terrible situation. I went through this terrible betrayal. I went through this awful loss in my life and I feel it and it's on me and God gets that. He said, you're going to experience these things, but that's a, but is a conjunction, right? But in this case, it contrasts the first part of the statement with the second part of the statement. Doesn't just join them. There's a contrast between the two. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. So there's a different result. The result that we can have is in complete contrast to what happened to us. And that's what we have to get. And yes, it may take a long time to experience the fullness of that freedom, to get your feelings and your emotions you know, back in order. And that's, not, that's a terrible way to say that. But to experience that aspect of salvation. Salvation in the New Testament, is not just going to heaven. It is not just being forgiven of our sins. That's the root. That's the heart. But out of that flows what Jesus called an abundant life. He said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Okay, so that's what we always are believing for the best. We believe for God's best. We set our sights on God's best. And we don't allow ourselves. And this just is a choice you have to make. I'm not going to allow myself to be discouraged because I'm not there yet. I'm not going to fully be there till I see him face to face. When we are face to face, the work in my soul, my mind, my emotions, and my will is going to be done. And not until. So in the meantime, I have to be content with the process. I have to celebrate every bit of growth. I have to celebrate every bit of victory. You go through a big loss, and that first anniversary comes around. I'm trying to think of a more religious way to say it. It knocks you on your butt. It does. I mean, just about everybody. It's unusual if it doesn't. That second anniversary comes around, that third and that fourth and that fifth, and you're still, when it's a big loss, you are still feeling that loss. Okay? I, you know, I have, well, my brother, I have other friends that I know who's, you know, they lived 40 years or so of marriage, partnership, in business, in ministry, in all of their hopes and dreams built together going forward, and, and they lost their spouse. And 9, 10, 12 years later, they're still feeling it. They're not under it. But there's something, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine last week or the week, I guess the week before, that went through this same type of loss. And he, once again, he came, and he has children, he has grandchildren, he's living his life, he's enjoying all of that. But once again, he got blindsided at Christmas time by the loss of his wife from, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, long time. And, and so, so that potential is there, but he's moving forward in life. He, he knows in his heart that there is freedom. There is more and more increasing freedom. That's what he believes and is receiving. 
He's not just settled into a certain place. So Jesus said, I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you. And so we have a leg to stand on there. We have a foundation to stand on. When we're experiencing tribulation from these different things, which is pressure, when we're experiencing devastation, we just don't let ourselves settle into, you know, this is just God's lot for me in life. No, he said he came to give you an abundant life. Doesn't mean you won't have any problems, but you can still go through them and have an abundant life. That's what we're talking about in this. That's what the contending against. I won't settle into my emotions because I do not have to have that um, damage. I will feel something, but I don't have to have damage. I don't have to be reduced. I don't know the best way to say it for the rest of my life. And I'm telling you, both the world and a lot of the church will tell you you do. You do. It's just the way it is. You're just going to be, in fact, they will give you a new identity if you'll accept it according to it. I mean, there are loads of them, you know, whether we talk about various kinds of victimization or I remember when I was just thinking about this this week, I haven't heard this for a while. And again, I'm going to say this, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not putting anybody down. This is just one of the labels that the world likes to give there. There used to be, um, we used to know people who their, the label they had accepted was, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. Have you ever heard that? They used to, for a while, it was kind of a big thing. Um, okay, that's a fact. You are an adult child of an alcoholic. You grew up in a situation that wasn't God's plan for your home, and it had an effect on you, no question about it. But the idea was that became a reason for many of the things that they just continued to do, okay? That's where I'm saying, okay, wait a minute. That's a fact, but that doesn't have to be the truth. That doesn't have to be the defining label of your life so that you actually, there was an expectation, I won't be able to have a good relationship because I grew up in this situation. That is attaching yourself, that, that's, that's not attaching yourself to the freedom Jesus came to give. It's like, okay, yeah, that's a fact. I grew up in this situation, but you know what my testimony is? Have you noticed that a lot of times there are a lot of believers, you ask them what their testimony is, they tell you how broken they are instead of what Jesus has fixed. See, I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. And, and there's an actual, so, so yes, we can have this. And that gives me a greater challenge. There's a challenge there. Because I grew up in this. It gave me some ideas that aren't right and some feelings that aren't right. Those things are real, but they do not have to be my story for the rest of our life. The rest of my life. Does that make sense? Why? Because Jesus came to set us free, not just to just teach us how to adjust to our circumstances. Okay. This is this. Are you, can you hear this? Okay. All right. So where were we? Um, so what Jesus has done, he's done something so that we don't have to live under the effect of that tribulation, that whatever it is that we go through in our life, that it would try to impose upon our emotions and upon our mindset. We don't have to have a stronghold built in us from that. Okay, So here's just a couple more. Uh, you don't have to turn there. First John 5, 4. 1 John 5, 4 says, for everyone born of God, how many of you are born of God? 
three. That's awesome. We're going to have an altar call at the end. The rest of you can get saved. Everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. Okay, so now this is us. This isn't just, oh, good for you, Jesus. You know, this is us. All right. Everything and everyone born of God. There's a, one place says whosoever, another place says whatsoever. So you can, if you're a whosoever, this applies. If you're a whatsoever, this also applies, okay? Uh, is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing persistent faith, all right? So we don't want our faith shipwrecked. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. All right, this is why the devil wants to shipwreck your faith. This is why he wants to attack your faith and get you to believe something else. Because if you stay in faith toward Jesus, you're going to overcome. You're going to share his victory. And uh, that's, you know, that, that undoes. Jesus said, I came to undo the works of the devil. And it means to untie the bondage that the devil created. It's the same word that would be used of untying the colt to take him for Jesus to ride on, right? It's, it's there's, that we can get ourselves into emotional, spiritual bondage. Jesus came to untie that, to undo that, okay? Uh, here's another example. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 and again, you don't have to turn there. Ephesians four twenty six and 27, you can just mark it down. It says, be angry and do not sin. All right? Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place, or give place, give a foothold to the devil. All right? Which we would do by staying angry. All right? So it says, there's this expectation here. We're going to have the opportunity. Again, this is an example. You can apply it to a lot of things. I'm going to have the opportunity to be angry. But there's an opportunity right there to not sin. Well, how would I sin? I would allow the anger to become a root in me. I would allow the anger to begin to be what influences my attitudes and behaviors. The anger would begin to build a mindset and a stronghold and a worldview. The anger would begin to influence how I see other people, how I react to other people, whether I interact with other people. Same could be said of offense. The same could be said of unforgiveness. The same could be said of fear. The same could be said of many things. I have the opportunity here, but I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to empower that emotion or that feeling or that, you know, that tendency. I'm not going to empower it. Instead, I'm going to stay in a place of faith toward God. I'm going to go back. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to feel it. That doesn't mean I can shut off the feeling in 10 seconds. Okay, but when I do feel it, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to accept the feeling. I'm not going to start playing the movie in my head of what that person deserves. Okay, that's not my role. It's not my place. I, you've, we've got to realize, no, there is freedom, but I've got to do the right thing at those junctures. That's contending against. That's standing against. That's, that's doing the right things. We're taking steps to dethrone Whatever that fact was, whatever the anger, the betrayal, the hurt, the offense, the, you know, whatever it is, we are taking steps to dethrone it by choosing what emotions we will attach to it, all right? And to me, that's where spiritual, most of spiritual warfare happens, right there, right there. You go through something, the emotion comes, might be depression, you know? 
It might just be hopelessness. It might be, you know, any number of things. And we say, no, we, we, we right there can choose. And again, I might even be feeling it, but I'm not engaging with it. I am not letting it become my future. Does this make sense to you? All right. So the point is the word of God has the power. It is the power of God unto salvation, right? It is the power of God. The word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it will penetrate to the dividing line between the soul and the spirit. What that means is, here's what my mind, my emotions, and will feel like or thinking want to go. That's my, my soul. And the word will rise up right in between there and say, okay, that soul, unrenewed. Some of it's renewed, but this part isn't, okay? That's an unrenewed part. This is spirit. Over here is where the Holy Spirit lives, what the Holy Spirit's thinking, how the Holy Spirit would react. And the word of God will rise up in that place. And you can, I mean, it'll happen on the inside of you. Scripture will literally come up. And, and so often, I mean, if we can, I'm not real good at this, by the way, but I know it's right. There's so many times I want to respond to a text or respond to an email. I, I think I've, I've gained a little on this. I've, I'm better than I used to be. Uh, you know, or, or, or whatever. Uh, I want to react, have a conversation, whatever, in a certain way. <clears throat> but I know until I take the time to hear God's heart, I should not do it. And there have been times where I've got it all written and I shouldn't do it and I shouldn't do it and I hit send and it never works out well. It always works out badly. But when I say no to the flesh, say no to the soul and say no, then eventually I'll get my emotions calmed down enough that I'll hear something from God and he'll give me my, his perspective on that situation or especially on that person. And he'll, it's so different. It's so, he sees the brokenness in that person that caused this thing. He, it's like, he'll just remove you. And in that place, you can be removed from that, from that hook that wants to get on the inside of you. And then you can just, from there, you can contend against, you can start contending for them for the person that hurt you. We can actually pray for our enemies, for those who despitefully used us. We can actually get to where we're not just doing that because the Bible says it, we're doing that because it's actually coming up in us. And I kind of stand there looking like, wow, this isn't me, you know, I, this was me. And, and let that flow happen. Let that flow. That's so healing and so cleansing. You can just begin to pray for that person and pray for their best. And it's just, it's kind of, Shocking. I'm convinced that's how some of these moms go in, you know, to to prisons and pray for, try to lead to the Lord people that murdered their child. I mean, it's it's that is a supernatural love. That is not natural. That is that is that comes from God in us. Okay. So the word is given not just as a means of soothing emotions, but of transforming us inwardly. So so that we are. We are fighting from different ground. And, but to have its full effect, you've got to apply the word. You've got to believe that the word can actually set you free first. And then you have to apply it 
and apply it and apply it and apply it. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to apply it to yourself. You've got to speak it. You've got to pray it. You've got to declare it consistently. It, you know, we do have to be engaged with this process. Let's get through this quickly and we'll be done. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Here's what Jesus said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That means the Holy Spirit is upon him in power to do this. The anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. Okay. He has sent me to announce release to the captives. Not just coping. Release to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. Going from blind to sight. That's a big change. To send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. The point is, you don't have to live the rest of your life in the trauma of the event. And don't get discouraged if it's been yours and you're still in the trauma of the event. Just don't settle. That's all I'm asking. Don't settle. Let's be people of faith. Let's, let's just believe God. You know, and you say, well, that's kind of an extreme message. Yeah, you're getting it. The gospel is an extreme message. It is an it is a message of the most extreme grace, the most extreme forgiveness and mercy imaginable. It is, a, it is a message of actual deliverance from things that can bind us for our whole life, that can change, you know, that can just keep us away from God's best for us. It is the message of deliverance from that. It is a message of healing for impossible diseases. It is an extreme message. It's, it's good to wake up to that because it, it is. It is a, and I would say, you know, especially if you've dealt with abuse, you've dealt with, find somebody. Christine Kane is one of my favorites. Some of you really like Joyce Meyer. She's another one. Great teachers of the word of God. But those two both grew up in abuse. Christine Kane, man, she was abused. She was abandoned. She lived a horrible life. And then she came to Jesus. And now she is free and she is preaching that freedom and she does it well and with power and anointing. And she makes no, uh, no bones about the fact that, yes, I grew up this way, but that is not who I am today. And both of them, both of them do that. They, they just refused at some point. They said, this is not going to be, I'm not going to be dominated by this for the rest of my life. Yeah, it happened. It happened and it was awful, but... I'm going a different direction. A couple more scriptures. I already gave you this one, Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing. That means untying the bonds of all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And again, Romans 1, 16, I already quoted that to you. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto that means to move a person into okay this is a this is a motion this is a a progression all right unto salvation for everyone who believes for the jew first and also for the greek salvation in the new testament means complete deliverance from the condition of sin and the guilt and weight of sin the separation from god for sin but also of its effects the effects of sin, complete deliverance from the effects of sin, all right? So the scripture presents our salvation as a completed work in our spirit, an ongoing work in our soul, 
and a final work that we will all come to. So it's like, you know, and I can't, I can't wrap my brain around that. I was saved. I'm being saved. I will be saved. Those are all in the New Testament. All right. So it's this progression into the fullness of something. But we need to set our heart on the fullness. We have been, we have been brought into a relationship with God that over time produces a complete freedom. I think it's almost from our perspective here and the things we feel and what we go through, it's almost unimaginable, except by the Holy Spirit, the level of freedom and the level of peace and the level of purpose that that the Lord has called us into and made available to us. So my whole encouragement to you this morning is whatever has happened, whatever will happen. Don't get down on yourself for what for the feelings it brought into you, okay? But also don't settle. Don't settle until you are completely free. Until you're on the other side of something that is like I never thought I could feel this way. I never thought I could feel this way about that person. I never th- I think unless it's in that kind of range of wow this, I never thought this could happen. I never thought I could be this person. I never thought, you know, I could forgive like this. I never thought until we're at that place, I don't think we've experienced everything the Lord has for you. And he's not mad at you. And he's not, he's on your side. He's just provided so much for us. And I'll just say this one more time. Both the world and a lot of religion will tell you, you're not, you're not going to get, that's not real. You just got to, you just got to settle into real life, buddy. That is real life. That is the life. That is the abundant life he has come to give. And I'm just going think, to, I think the reward is for the pursuit. I think what God loves is the pursuit. If we don't get there in this life, we'll get there in the next. But I think that whole thing of staying on course and not getting shipwrecked means we stay in faith toward what Jesus has done for us and what he has said that we can have. Okay. All right, let's stand up and pray this morning. Did you get anything out of this? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. So quite a few of you that were not born again just a few minutes ago got something out of it. I'm so glad. Thank you, Lord. Father, God, I'm so glad we can come together in your presence, Lord, and that we can can do this together and we can all extend our faith together and we can experience what you do as a group when we come together in church, Lord, and we come together as believers. And Father, you come among us. And Jesus, you promised that every time we got together, you'd be right there in the midst of us. And we know you're not here just to hang out, Lord. You impart things to us. And my prayer this morning for every one of us, Lord, is that, Father, every one of us set our hearts today. We set our feet in in concrete. We will not be moved off. We will not be moved the wrong direction by what we think, what we feel, what happens to us, or any other thing in this life. I, I pray, Father, I ask that you pour that, that grace of perseverance into every one of us, that we continue to go forward with all of our might, that every one of us get to the end of this life, we're able to look back and say, yep, I ran my race with all of my might. I finished the whole course. I didn't leave any out. I just pursued you with all my heart. And Father, I know you are so pleased with your people, Father, when, they're, when we're doing that, God. They're just so pleased. 
And Lord, that's our heart is to live a life not, not that's only obedient to you, but that it is pleasing to you, Father. And we're so grateful for our salvation. We're so grateful that it isn't just about, it would have been enough, but it isn't just about us going to heaven, us spending eternity with you. It's abundant life here and now. Lord, you said that anyone who has believed in you right now, they're in abundant life. Right now we're in eternal life. And Father, we want to live it to the fullest. So God, we just ask for your help in that. We ask for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We ask for those specific words from you, for those scriptures to rise up in us and those words to come that break those bonds and set us free. You're the only one that knows where we're bound and where we're not. We don't even know a lot of times where we're bound, where we're not. But Lord Jesus, you have already made the way for every one of us to walk in grace, to walk in freedom, to be completely free from anything that would be be binding us and fulfill your purpose and plan for us. So we thank you for that this morning. Lord, we choose to go out of this place. And again, Lord, just to share the goodness of God with people this, this week, Father. Thank you for those opportunities. Help us not to miss them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. If you need prayer, or if you would like prayer, please come up and let me pray for you. Uh, otherwise, we'll be dismissed. And we'll say on the count of three, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. All right, ready? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.